Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. Good morning. Reading from 1 John 3. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God, and that is who we are. It's not in the nature of the God-born to practice and parade sin. We must not be like Cain, who joined the evil one and then killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because he was deep in the practice of evil. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, we're bold and free before God. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him, and he lives in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Danny. It was excellent. All right, friends. Well, we have been talking really this whole semester about the inner journey of what it means to follow Jesus in our hidden hearts and how out of the depths of even the deadness of our hidden hearts, the Christ self rises. And so we've been looking at that throughout this time. We're going to continue through that today, and we're going to just uh, really save the last five minutes or so of the sermon time this morning for some extended reflection and prayer. And so let's jump right into it, and we'll move toward that time of actually putting this into practice here in a few moments. As we've been talking about, there are really two ways of being in the world, according to Christian spirituality. At the heart of what it means to be a Christian is which way we are going to choose. Jesus says not only that he is the truth and the life, but he says, I am the way, right? And we've got these two ways of being in the world. We've got life in the flesh, to use the New Testament term. And the flesh, of course, is not the body. It's not, it's not a matter of physicality. It's, we're talking about the part of our life that has not yet been resurrected into newness in the image of Christ. So we've got life in the flesh or we've got life in the spirit, right? We've got my kingdom or we've got Christ's kingdom. We've got the false self and the Christ self, the Christ self, which has been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. My life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so that's where we're going over this Easter season. And what I love about the passage Danny just read that first John passage, three times in two sentences, we get the word practice, practice, practice. The, the faith we have is not a matter of intellect. It's not a matter of head knowledge. It's a matter of that knowledge beginning to shape our hearts, sink into our hearts, that we might practice the way of Jesus because what we practice, what we rehearse, shapes the kind of people we are becoming. Whatever we do over and over and over becomes a liturgy for our lives. And the liturgies that we pray shape the lenses we have about what matters in the world 
the lenses we have give us loyalties and then they show us what who are who are my people what are my things what am i going to be passionate about what values do i have and then loyalties ultimately then end up shaping who we are formed to love and it all comes back to what are we practicing with our lives and so you can come to church every single sunday but ultimately the question becomes what am i practicing every day right that's why church is never the main event church is just the time we rehearse the way of Jesus that we might actually have it show up in a, our Monday through Friday lives. And last week we talked about the way eastward. We, we dug into this idea of the false self. And where does the false self come from? We went into the early chapters of the scriptural story and we talked about the, the arrival of the false self in the biblical story. It began in Adam and Eve. And, you know, the taking of the fruit. And what happens is an inner reality of shame. And they are driven out of the garden to the east, it says in scripture. They move to the east. And as the, as the world moves further eastward, away from the garden of God's home and God's life and their central identity in God, the false self shows up more and more on the scene. What began as an inner reality in Adam and Eve becomes a relational and familial reality in the story of Cain. He murders his brother, as we just read in that scripture reading. And then a few generations later, it's not only become familial, it's become generational. It shows up in the story of Lamech, and then what becomes generational in Lamech's story becomes systemic by the 11th chapter of Genesis. We have a whole world trying to build a tower, a construct that they can control, a center of identity that they can hold to because their identity in God is no longer to be found where it was in the garden. And it is an image of our lives. We move away from our home in God. I love it. Everything's blowing everywhere. This is fantastic. Uh, we move away from our home in God to the east and we start to lose our identity. And then we end up prone to the same thing that we hear in that Babel story. We got to make a name for ourselves because who else am I? If I don't construct my own tower of accomplishment and identity. But then there is another way to live. It's the way of Jesus. It moves us back westward toward the garden of God's home, the garden where we belong, where we are loved children of God. And that is what we are. And so uh, the question we've been wrestling with is like, how do we make a move from the false self that comes so naturally to us? comes so naturally. It's how we've lived for so long. It really is all we know of life. It's all we know about how to respond. How do we practically make a move out of that and toward the Christ self? And that's that process of spiritual formation we've been talking about, that we might be reshaped in the image of Jesus, trusting that as we mimic the actions of Jesus, that practice will shape our lives in his westward way that's setting the world right again. And so we've been applying the great story of Jesus as like a template for our own spiritual reality. We've been looking at how Jesus walked into the wilderness of Lent and, and had temptations. Ah. This one may not be in the cards today, folks. Uh, goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> Jesus walked into the wilderness of Lent and had temptations around control. And that was the first step we looked at last week. And... Today, we're going to talk about that second step, and I'm going to keep this real short, given the wind. That second step is that to be formed into the image of Christ, there's always going to be confrontation. There's always going to be confrontation, and if we're talking about these two ways, 
the eastward path that moves us away from God's home or the westward path that begins setting the world right by cooperating and participating in God's kingdom, the false self or the true self, destruction or healing, there's nowhere we see that choice clearer than in Palm Sunday. Because Palm Sunday is not just the prelude to Easter. It's a day where there are these two ways of being in the world that are manifest on display really, really clearly and symbolically. And what happens at Palm Sunday, we didn't get to gather on Palm Sunday because of the rain. So we'll just kind of revisit that real briefly. What happens there is that Pontius Pilate, who is in charge of keeping things peaceful and under control on behalf of the Romans, is trying to quell an uprising that's happening at Passover. And the only way he knows how to do this is by acting in the eastward way. He's acting in the false self way. The Passover festival is happening. And as the Passover festival happens, there are all of these people gathered in Jerusalem and they are all looking to be free of Roman rule. And so what do you do? If you're the Roman rule and you've got to keep these people under control, the only way you know how is through a show of force. And so what we have in the Palm Sunday story is Pilate leaving what is called Empire City or Caesar City, Caesarea, the way of the empire. And he comes into Jerusalem, ironically, to the east, as scripture would have it. He comes on a chariot. He comes on a war horse. He comes with thousands of foot soldiers, military might, because if you're going to quell an uprising and you're going to preserve power and you're going to keep control and you're going to maintain order, the only way you know how to do that in the false self is by being bigger and stronger and, and crushing that which opposes you. And so Pilate parades into Jerusalem atop the war horse, and it's a political theater. He's coming into town saying, don't mess with us or I will crush you. And then meanwhile, you've got the counter parade, the parade of Jesus. Jesus comes into town to the west, as it would, as it would have it. And he's riding on the baby of a donkey. And I know that's a familiar story to many of us, but like actually consider that image. A grown man riding on a baby donkey, that is a ridiculous sight. His feet are probably dragging on the ground. And he's doing this as a form of political theater and communication. He's, it's a counter protest to almost mock what is happening with Pilate. So as Pilate rides into town this way, Jesus is riding into town this way. And we have this picture of two different ways. One is the way that is power over, armor up, crush that which is opposes you, live in fear, live under threat, live controlling. And the other, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to serve. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be meek. My power is found in knowing who I am in God rather than having power over you. These are the two ways. And they collide. And at some point, those two parade routes are going to crash into each other, these two colliding kingdoms with two assumptions about the essential nature of the world. And it's a great picture for our spiritual formation, because if we want to be reshaped by Jesus really seriously, then we should expect the parade of Jesus to come into our lives in ways that confront us. In the same way Pilate's coming this way, Jesus is coming this way, at some point they meet, there's going to be a confrontation there. And in the same thing happens inside of our hidden hearts. The ruling authorities of my heart and your heart get challenged 
by the way of Jesus, and he calls us into repentance then. He calls us to live in another way. He calls us out of the false self and into the Christ self. This is uncomfortable. Whenever we are confronted, we don't like being confronted. We don't like repentance. We don't like challenge. And so often we react to it in the same way that Pilate would have reacted to it, right? Like, who are you to tell me that there's a new kingdom? I'm the one in charge here. And so there is always confrontation. We should expect that. And in the classical Christian journey, there's a different word that's used. Uh, it's called awakening, right? We're using the word confrontation, but classically in Christian literature, it's the word awakening. And the reason that uh, awakening is an interesting word here and the reason I've not used it entirely is because awakening, at least for me, carries this connotation of like a beautiful sunrise and a morning. And sometimes God parading into our lives does indeed show up that way. There are times where the awakening into Christ-likeness is beautiful. It's birds singing. It's coffee brewing. It's, it's, it's the sun rising. It's the mighty arrival of hope. And it's God bringing a new way into our lives. And it feels like epiphany and it feels like resurrection. It feels like conversion and salvation. But at the same time, if we're honest, waking up really is often something that involves confrontation. Have you ever tried to wake a child up on Monday morning for school? <laughs> Fury, arms flailing. Like illogical words are being spoken by this child who does not want to go to school. And usually, invariably, it ends with the child going back to sleep for a while. And I wonder if the same could be said about our awakening in Christ. Jesus comes and invites us into a new way. And there's a confrontation. And maybe we wake up for a second and we go, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good new way. But that involves a lot of effort, a lot of waking up. And so we fall back asleep. Or we rage out of control like the child who doesn't want to be woken up. But Jesus keeps coming. He's parading into our lives. He's knocking on the door of our hearts saying, come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. And so I want to name the principle clearly and then we'll apply it. The principle is this, that to transform us in places of our unlikeness to Christ, the first dynamic of spiritual formation is always confrontation. It's always confrontation. Through some channel, through scripture, through prayer, through suffering often, through a book, through a friendship, through a counselor, some dysfunctional place of my life will be exposed for what it is, and in a fresh way, I will suddenly see two things. I'll be awakened to two things that I had not seen before, that there is something about me that I couldn't see before, and there is something about God that I could not see before, and that comes as both comfort and threat because it means something about the ruling authority of the way I've governed my life is no longer working. And right there, I'm brought to a crossroads. Which way am I going to live into? Which way am I going to choose to continue to be in agreement with? What does it look like? What will it cost me to break my agreement with that which is not of the way of Jesus and align my life with the way of Jesus? And so in some meaningful way, we all know the, there are areas of dysfunction in our lives, and we all pray and wish and hope that these things would change, but we also have to face the fact that there's something to that way of life that's working for us. That's why we keep doing it. So sorry about this microphone, y'all. 
we keep doing it because there's, there's a payoff for us. And, uh, and we don't want that payoff to stop. And so the bondage of the false self is that it is life as we know it. We're going to have to break our agreement with it, and that will be a costly call. And so genuine awakening into the image of Jesus is like a door being opened to a whole new dynamic of our being. And we realize we are brought to a threshold and we must respond. And every now and then we respond immediately, but often we fall asleep and we wake up and we fall asleep and we wake up and there's a lot of wrestling. But it's at the points of unchristlikeness that Jesus shows up in our lives. Not at the points we're doing well, the points we're most estranged and alienated from him. He comes to bring us to life again. So I want to give us three ways this may show up, and then we'll put it into practice. The first is this, that there's this moment at the beginning of our spiritual journey. And this is the big awakening. This is the conversion into new life in Christ. That might be one way that we awaken our old life is confronted. Our new life in Christ is invited to us, and we say yes to that. And that's a form of awakening. And then there's also those little moments that happen in life where I see the dishes. I don't want to do the dishes, but I know I'm called to serve. And something inside me says, do the dishes, right? It's awakening in that little moment. But the broader thing, and the third thing, and it's the thing that I think is most important to us, is what I call the theme. I'm going to move to this other microphone. I'm so sorry. Hello, hello, hello. Check, check, check. Okay, good. The theme of work, the theme of God's work in our lives. And here's what I want to invite us into this morning. And David or Josh, whoever's going to play the keys can come on up here for a minute. Often, God is at work in the deep dynamics of our lives for years around the same theme. And he comes with this invitation. And so I'll give you an example in my life. About 10 years ago, my counselor said, Jordan, you are a man who is marked by anxiety, right? And she didn't mean that just clinically. Right? She meant that just at the deep levels of control and order that we talked about last week. I was so full of care, trying to hold this structure I had built together. She says, I think that there's a deep invitation that at the other end of your spiritual formation, you might become a man of deep peace. Well, that theme of God's work in my life has been playing out for over 10 years, and I feel like I'm halfway there, quarter of the way there, right? I mean, this is the work of years. This is the work of decades. This is the work of the deep places, my whole structure of being, being reformed in the way of Jesus. And often what we find is that it comes up over and over and over again through this example and that friendship and that moment and that situation with your boss and that situation with your parenting, that same theme keeps popping up. And there it is that Jesus is inviting us into a newness of life in Christ. And so we're going to do something called a grand examine for a few minutes. And I'll invite you to just move into a moment of prayer and reflection. And we gave you pens and index cards this morning in your bags. For those of you who like to write or like to draw, you're welcome to use those. Maybe you just want to think and reflect with me, but let's take a few minutes because we don't want to just talk about this. We want to actually begin searching our hearts and asking where Jesus is inviting the, the, the Christ self to rise in us. 
And so you see some things on your hand out there about the false self. The false self is a fearful self, is a manipulative self, is a self-promoting self, an indulgent self, a blame-placing, distinction-making self. It's possessive, it's protective, and it's ultimately destructive. And in your life, what is the broad theme of God's work? Where is the invitation coming to you over and over and over again to the ruling authority in your life? The thing that is called the shots for so long and just like Pilate doesn't want to let go. And so it's armored up and it's powering over and it feels under threat. And right there, Jesus comes both in a way that confronts and in a way that's so disarming that it's like a grown man riding on a donkey. And so he comes to you now. Take the next 20 seconds or so and just search your own heart. Try to identify what that theme of God's work is, that over an over motif of how Jesus is inviting you into new life. And once you have it in your mind, just hold it there. And then ask yourself this question. What does it look like for the ruling authority, the power structure, the kingdom, the government that has operated in my heart for so long to cast its crown and bend its knee to the kingdom of Christ? What does repentance look like? And the more that we understand and have identified that theme of work, then the more cooperative we can be because we see it popping up in our lives day in, day out. And sometimes it feels like a journey that we're not making any progress on. It is indeed a long obedience. But Jesus is changing us. He is. And as we say yes to him five years down the road, 10 years down the road, we look back and we see that something deep of ourselves has changed and been reformed, not by our efforts, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. So I'll invite you now, would you take 60 seconds or so and in your own mind or on your paper, 
write down whatever you sense is that theme of God's work coming to you in a tailored way to invite you into new life in Christ. Write it down and see then if you can identify and write down or think about how you might bend your knee to the kingdom of Christ practically.